Evening, men. If you have a Bible with you, would you turn to Ephesians 4, if you have it with you. If not, I'm going to ask you to just mark it down and read it later in your cabin with one another. But I've been very appreciative of the songs that Kenny selected this weekend uh, without even really talking to each other. It's like, oh, man, that's weird how the Spirit of God told you to sing that and me to say that. We didn't know that. We didn't know each other before this this weekend, so I just love when God does that. And what we just talked about, we sing the story, the old story. So we talk about generation of generation passing on the old story. That's been my hope for you this weekend as we talk about the story. And I keep saying it every time we get back together, but the first part of our story is that there's a creator God. He exists outside of time and space. And he creates for his own glory and delight and worship. And he creates us that we would be image bearers for the crown of his creation, that we would reflect him to each other and to the world around us. We see that sin enters in, and it disrupts relationship between each other and him. And it longs and begs for a rescuer. And God brings a rescuer in giving his one and only son, an unthinkable act that he would surrender his son in that way something I think we all agree that we could never do. And yet God does willingly because he has us in mind to restore right relationship in life. And Jesus hangs and willingly endures punishment and shame and sacrifice by his own creation. And he finishes and he's buried and he dies and and yet he rises and so there's hope for us. and, And through his resurrection, now we have life. And we have the opportunity in the free will that man took in that garden with that bite of fruit. We now have the opportunity and free will to say, I accept that gift of grace. I accept the gift of your son. And now from death to life, I've been made new. So we've had creation. We've had the fall. We've had redemption. We've had new life. This morning we had this new identity that's ours that we're new creations that the old is gone and new has come for those in Christ Jesus today. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory that gets you through this life, that allows you to live and walk in righteousness. It's Christ that we're in and made alive in. It's Christ hidden in the Father. It's the Father with us and us filled with the Spirit of God, that we're new creations now walking in a new identity as sons of the King of Kings. That's where we are today. And tonight we end with the new family that God has given us. There's much more to the story, but the most rudimentary parts that I could think of, this is where we land tonight. The new family he gives us. As we talked about being sons of God, I want to ask you dads, this is a dumb question and it might sound silly, but I want you to think about it. What percent of your son is your son today? It's a weird question, right? I'll ask it in a different way. How much is your son, your son today, if you were to put a percentage on that? Is he 25% of your son? Is he maybe 50% of your son? 90% or getting higher? Or is he 100% your son today? He's 100% your son today. It's a dumb question. I know. I regretted saying it the moment I said it. There's this weird thing that we all know that whether you're an adopted son in the family or you're a a son through birth, that as you look at your son 
from the moment of conception, from the moment the arrival into your home, you said, that's my son 100%. Amen? There was no confusion about, is he my son partially or not? Regardless of where your partner and you, your wife, wherever the situation in your life was, however that kid came into being, there was no doubt that that son was your son. Right? In a similar way, are you 50% of God's son today? Are you 25% of his son? Are you 75% of his son? Or 100% his son? A thousand. I like a thousand. Then infinity plus one. I think I just won. Infinity plus one. Infinity plus infinity. The answer is infinity plus infinity. You are God's son. For those in Christ tonight, for those in Christ tonight, you're not becoming more his son. You are his son. You're not earning or achieving or trying to gain acceptance from the Father, but you have become 100% of his son through belief in the finished work of Jesus, not by your effort, not by human intellect, not by the family you were born into, not by the area code or zip code, not by amount of status or prestige that you have, but solely by the gift of God. You've become 100% his son. And now as 100% his son, you are still learning to walk and mature as his son. I shared two nights ago, I think, about bad Billy stories in my home. And bad Billy stories were to not play with fire or throw knives at each other. I don't know why we gave knives away, but I would have given you the RC car, but we gave knives. But we said, don't do these things and you'll have a good life and have good relationship with each other in our home. But they were also a tool to tell us of this is what it is to be my last name again, the nuncios. This is what it means to be a son of the family. If you violate the rules of the family, never was my sonship at, in question. Never did one point did my dad or mom say, you're not our kid. What they did say is, you're, you're not behaving in the way that you were intended. And we want to bring you back into right behavior. Is how we behave as a family. So that it reflects who we are. But your sonship is never in question. In a similar way, as we look tonight as the new family that we've been adopted as kids, fully loved, fully accepted, fully his right now in this moment for those in Christ. That he's given us rules to live and mature by so that we can, the original design in the creation is we can reflect him to each other and to the world so that they might know we're his. Does that make sense? And the way he does that is not bad Billy stories, but in the whole New Testament, we have 100 sayings called one another's. Everybody say one another's. And these one another statements are to the church, to how to operate with each other, this new family and this new creation, how to operate with each other so that we have harmony with one another and so that the world can take notice that there's something distinct about the way we live and operate with each other. They would be things like wash one another's feet. They would be like be humble with one another. They would be speak well of one another. But three primary categories, these 100 one another statements are root around this. To be humble with one another, humility with one another, love one another, 
and at all costs pursue unity with one another. To live as sons now in walking in maturation, that you show humility with one another. You're humble. Two, that you love one another in such a way that the world says, yep, they have to be sons of God. And you unify. That last one is even harder than it has been in the last couple years. Because there's so many categories that we divide over. Not only Dodgers, which I'm, I agree, not Dodgers, boo. But just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I don't even play sports. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's, but he gives us a design to one another to live out the family code with each other. And as he does that, we see this first. As we've been made sons, we have a father. And this is what the father is like. Just from Genesis to Revelation, this is what Scripture says about who God the Father is. He's loving. He's everlasting. He's consistent. He's perfect. He's redeeming. He's a giver of good gifts. He rules and reigns with authority. He's affirming. He sees needs and provides. He knows what we need. He's a provider. He's a defender. He's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving. And on and on and on. Dad's for a note that's the model of the father that we're called to be. Sons, as you look and long for a father, that's what our heart's desire is to be, to see a, God that, a dad that's a defender. He's a provider. He's a redeemer. He's an encourager. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. And the reality is to do all that outside of the spirit of God is an impossible task. Your dad will let you down. Dads, you will let your sons down. Sons, you will let your dads down. But there's our prototype for father, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger. He's a giver of life. And we, in turn, reflect that by showing love, humility, and unity. And as we express that in Ephesians 4, Paul writes this to the church. And the reason he writes this is not because they're doing it. He writes it to them because they're not doing it. And it's a hard task that he's saying to live in the family. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Amen. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to talk about these three one another's as we move forward and leave this hill. God, I pray by your spirit in these next moments that you would call to mind that we're beloved sons of you and that you would remind us of the Father that you are, good and gracious and slow to anger, and that sonship is not in question because of the finished work of Jesus. But as we learn to live out and express these one another's with each other, God, would you convict us? Would you correct us? Would you encourage us as a good and loving father does? And as we process this part of our story and live it out where we live, work, and play, God, would we be reminded without you it's impossible. But with you, we have all that we need. So guide this time now, I pray in your name. Amen. 
I've been really thankful to watch you men, as I've said before, and I will commend you again of loving your sons this weekend and sons leaning into your dads this weekend. I've loved seeing dad and son holding hands walking down the street. I've loved seeing arms around each other as we're worshiping, even men who are stoic and not singing but just standing, and there's something about putting your arm around your son and singing truths of God or hearing them sung. Have you felt that this weekend? There's just something where I'm not an easy crier, but, man, I'm a baby when I'm sitting there with my son and just so touched by the truths that we're singing and going, man, do I want this for my kid? And, man, do I want this for me? Help me to believe it. Help him to believe it. I loved how you've done that. I've even sat and talked with you and seen you dads do such a good job of calling out the good in your sons. What's great about your son? And you go on and on and on in front of them. I don't know if that's a normal practice for you at home, but I want to say well done to you doing that this weekend. I've seen you do it to each other as you sit around tables or stand in lines and wait for belly flops to happen, that you are one another in each other and encouraging each other, whether you knew you were doing it or not. I'm so thankful personally that many of you have come and given encouragement to me or to Kenny or to others, a part of the camp this weekend, to your hosts that you've demonstrated love and one another in each other with words of encouragement. It's to say, keep going, you got what it takes. Some of you have also come with words of concern or correction. And I want to say, that's part of one anothering too. So thank you for doing that. None of us are free from mistake. None of us are free from sin. None of us are free from blowing it. And yet, in grace, we can reflect that to God and to each other. And you have done that this weekend, men. Well done. Keep doing that. As we look at one another in each other with humility, you can write it down, but 2 Philippians, or Philippians 2, excuse me, is a model for one another in each other in humility. Paul writes this. He says that to think of others as better than yourselves to look at the example of Christ in the way that Christ, being God, humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. In that way, sons of the king tonight, one another each other in humility. Is your natural default to think of others' needs or yourselves? As you lead your families, as you go to school and interact with your friends, are you thinking of your needs or others' needs? Well, in the church, we're called to one another each other in humility the way Christ was humbled, humbled to death on the cross. It's a weighty task, I know. And without the Spirit of God in you, it's an impossible task. But the family rule, number one, show humility to one another the way that Christ modeled humility to us. Two, to love one another. And love, our list that I always think of is 1 Corinthians 13, that this is love is patient, it's kind, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Church, men of God, love one another. In that way, 
as we talked last night, that God so loved that he would give of his son. Jesus would tell his disciples, there's no greater love than this, that one that lays down his life for one another. That's how we're called to love each other in this space. As we learn and mature as sons of God, we walk in humility and we model love and express that to each other. It's hard to love in that way. I don't know about you, but I like keeping records of wrongs. I'm pretty good at holding a grudge. Anybody else? There's like a guy in seventh grade who messed with me, and I'm kind of still mad at him. Who was it? His name was Jordan. If you see him, tell me, okay? I wish. No, Michael Jordan. I wouldn't be mad at Michael Jordan. (laughs) No. (laughs) To love one another. To show love and deference to one another. You will blow it in a loving way. How do you go to that person? Dads, how do you go to your son when you blow it? Sons, how do you go to your dad when you blow it? Do you show humility? Do you model love to one another? Well, that's the call and the rule of the new family. To love one another in that way. To show humility. And finally, to make every effort for unity. In my undergrad program, I had a teacher, Dr. Barnes, and he would say, what, what theological things would you take a bullet for? And on that list, 20-plus years ago, I would say, oh, like Jesus, the inerrancy of Scripture, you know, a couple of things like that. But as I've matured, high on that list is the unity of Christ and the unity of the body of Christ. It's to show unity with one another. Unity does not mean uniformity. We are different. We are created in his image. We're created differently to express him in a different way so that we can see different character expressions of God. It's so good that we're all not like Dom today. I'm so thankful for you being who you are. But in unity, in our differences, we find unity together. To walk in a way, in a world that says to divide something about the kingdom of God and his kids shows a a unique unity that even though we have differences, we can rally in unity together to walk in love and to walk in humility together. That's the call tonight, men. New creation, spirit of God in you, to walk in love, to walk in humility, to walk in unity together. On a very tangible level, I don't know if you dads and sons have experienced this, but an insight into my family. My son is a senior in high school, and I wake up every day now and go, whoa, there's a man in my house. What's he doing here? Where'd my shaving cream go? Did you use my razor again? Where'd my jacket go? Where's my shoes? Did you take the car? And what I found is that he, like I was, is growing as a man and is starting to want to have his own way as a man, the rights, privileges, and freedoms as a man, and yet he's under dad's rule and reign. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Show of hands, dads. And you're butting heads, and you see things differently, and you can't believe you're the mathematician and your son is the jock, and you don't know how to relate. And your son wants to do this, but you think it's this. And you're trying to find the balance of freedom 
and rule and reign in your home. And Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he writes this at the end, as he's writing this beautiful thing of make every effort and be this church and walk in unity and preserve. He says two things that I think are poignant. He says a word to the sons. Sons, if you're listening, he says this, obey your parents. In doing so, you obey them in everything, and this pleases the Lord. Sons, as you're growing and maturing, there's a rightness for you to want to start growing into manhood. And part of these experiences together are you growing and maturing. But you're not there yet. And there's a reality of obeying dad. When I turned 16, my dad was such an idiot. When I turned 22, I was like, how'd you get so smart? There's a rightness to that. But in obeying sons, you show love to your dad. You show humility in that decision making. And you show unity that whatever is decided, we're not going to divide, but we're going to walk away together as a family. He also says this to dads. Don't embitter your children. Oh, man, am I guilty of that. Dads, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Sons, you may know what I'm talking about. Dad, I know. And dad keeps going on his dialogue. And he's becoming embittered. Your hope, dad, is that he becomes more loving and says, wow, dad, you're a genius. But he goes, dad, I wish you'd stop talking. And he divides. It's been happening for centuries, which is why dads show humility to your sons. Model what humility looks like. When I would blow it, I would go to my son, and I still do, and my daughter, and I would get on my knee. And I would say, would you forgive me? And they'd say, it's okay, Dad. And I'd never let that happen. No, 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 it's not okay. Dad said something dumb. I did something wrong. I hurt you. I embittered you. I didn't model love or humility to you. So I'm asking for your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? I forgive you, Dad. And then we hug and we pray and we move forward in humility love, and unity together. Dads, would you model that to your kids? Would you model what it looks like to love, to love them and to love God and, and to those around you in your household? And would you walk forward in unity? How do you talk about your brother in your home? How do you talk about the world around you? Are you embittered and emboldened and divided or are you the peacemaker? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Are you modeling that to your sons in this way? The call as new creation, as new identity, and as this new family is to walk in the spirit by showing humility, one another in each other in that way. Loving each other the way that Christ has loved us. And to walk and at all costs preserve unity to be presenting the church as a blameless bride until Christ returns. That's the family rules. 
that's the story that's been passed down for generations, and that's the story that you are entrusted with as you go from this place. Amen? I'm going to invite Kenny up, and we're going to sing of our hope. We're going to sing of our confidence. We're going to boast in the one who can do it all. And we're going to sing of the return of the king. So I invite you to stand, men, and let's sing together.